open up to James chapter 1. And I actually want to uh, cover verses 19 through 20 today, but I want to take it in context. And so if it's okay with you, we're going to go through a whole uh, slew of verses before we get there, because uh, I think it's helpful to be able to understand the context of what we're studying today. So we're actually going to start in James chapter 1, and look what it says in verse 1. We'll start way back in the beginning, just as a reminder. It says in verse 1, this epistle is written from James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, church history, Acts chapter 15, you read in Galatians 2, James was the half-brother of Jesus. But he considered himself a bondservant, a slave of God and of his half-brother, Jesus. And so it's an interesting thing to, to see. Um, uh, I would say this, though. It, James probably got a lot of inf his information from Jesus because it's his half-brother. Think about that for a second. And you'll see similarities in this book uh, to the Sermon on the Mount. And not only that, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, again, um, a really wise man, um, camel knees, prayed a lot. Really important to know where this book is from. It ultimately, in one sense, it's from Jesus. As we're studying the Bible, don't think, well, that's the word of James or that's the word of Manny. No, this is the word of God. This is from God. This is from Jesus. That's why Jesus even said, don't call anyone your teacher. One is your teacher, and that's the Christ. So who is your teacher? Your teacher, our teacher is Jesus. But sometimes you see the connection a little bit simpler when it's like James, the half-brother of Jesus. And so, so when we're studying, you guys remember who it's from. And I was just thinking on the way over here today, and sometimes, you know, you get these thoughts, where would we be without Jesus? Where, honestly, where would we be without Jesus? I mean, I know I would just be dead, dead, and then again, dead. So this church, everything about this is not about a man or even a, a church. It's about Jesus. This is from Jesus, and he's writing to the church. Notice right here, to the 12 tribes, that's Jewish, which are scattered abroad. And so there were Jewish Christians that had been persecuted, and so they were going through very difficult times. Imagine someone comes in and they just drive you out of your house. They say, you got to get out of here. You got to go wherever. And you just got to go figure it out, you know? And just imagine the persecution the early church experienced. People were getting hurt. People were getting killed. Relatives. That's the context. And so he's writing the letter, and that's why he gets into it real quick. Greetings, my brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces uh, patience. Reading, writing to Christians, going through difficulties, but he's telling them, hey, when you go through those various trials, you, you need to count it all joy. You need to, you know, uh, in, in one sense, see it as an opportunity for something good. Not necessarily a superficial smile on the outside, but something good can happen through this. Uh, and what does he say? Knowing this. You know this because you know the Bible, you know the Lord, you know the Holy Spirit, that the testing of your faith, it produces patience. Now, patience means patience. That's one thing we do need. But patience in the Greek also means endurance. And so as you're going through the difficulties, as you've gone through trials, 
God's allowing it to happen to you. And, and, and as you do, you have a choice. You can go that way or you can go that way. You can go down or you can go up. You can run away from God or you can run to God. You can be stagnant and in one sense backslide or you can grow and you can be a powerful Christian. This is an opportunity for us to, to grow because and, and, he says, you know, you, you get this patience, but then he says, let that patience work in you. Notice what he says. Verse 4, but, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know, and, and we've talked about this as we're studying this book together. I tell you what, you guys, if you study this book with an open heart, if you study this book, letting it do what it's designed to do, this is like a certain specific seed that wants to go into your heart, that wants to be dropped into the soil. If you let it, then you and I, it says that let it have its perfect work, that, that we can be perfect. Not that necessarily we'll be sinless, but we will be mature Christians. Not here and there and everywhere, not scattered, not you know stunted. But, you know, like I said earlier, you, you have the choice. If you want to, you can go through life and just grow old, or you can grow up. You can be more and more like, like Jesus. Last night we were talking in our table with the other couples, and it's kind of cool. At the end of the day, really, because some of you here, you've been Christians for a long time, and you haven't grown. Same thing. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't love you. I'm not saying that we don't love you, but, but come on. You know, you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. We should really be like Jesus. We're talking about this in our table, and you've been married for all this time, and, and you know, we're talking about it getting better, and better is probably a good word, but I think probably a, a, a gooder word <laughs> is just growing. Come on, grow up. Same thing, same trial. It's been 20 years now. No, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. As you go through these trials, these are opportunities for us to grow. But notice what he says in verse uh, 6. He says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. I'm sorry, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a, the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so, you know, you, they were persecuted. They were scattered. I don't know what your situation is like I got to be honest, man, on the way over here, sometimes I'll be just talking to God, little conversations, and, I, and as a pastor, yeah, I do go through trials, but probably not as bad as some of you, I'll bet. In one sense, I live in a cave. In one sense, I live in a bubble. I try to see what's going on out there, but I was thinking on the way over here, Lord, I got this bubble, but they got this trouble. I just feel like, man, the church and the people and the world and the things that are going on and the way that you're getting hit, I'll bet you almost anything that they are going through difficult times, that they are crying, that they are in pain, that they are wondering what to do in this crazy world that is completely anti-Christ. And so he says, when you go there, when you're there, listen, 
Count it all joy. Rejoice. This is an opportunity for me to be more like Jesus. I'm not going to go backwards. I'm going to go forward. You rejoice in that opportunity. And so you're praying for wisdom. Okay, so how do I do it? How do I approach this? What do I do during this trial? And what he says right there, and, and God will give you wisdom. God will show you what to do. God will give you what I call divine details. This is exactly what I want you to do. The God of the universe. The God of the universe will lead you and guide you. The God of the universe will talk to you. He will give you wisdom. But don't doubt that. He says, listen, if you doubt that, if you don't believe that, then you're like, you know, tossed here and there and everywhere. You're, you, you have no direction. And it's, it goes back to faith. Huh? When you pray, you got to know that the Lord hears you, not because of how good we are, but because of what he did on the cross, how he washed away all your sins. And when you place your faith in Jesus, then you have now, the, the veil was torn, you and I can go into the presence of our Father. We're like little kids, and God would never say no. He will listen to your prayers. And so he says, when you're there, you're praying. And I just want you to know, James says, you've got to make sure you don't doubt God will guide you. Do you guys believe that? The God of the universe, will he talk to you? Even you? He will. Look what he says in verse 9. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers. The grass, it, its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. You know, he's talking here about how in, in the church, probably a lot more poor people than there were rich people, but there were some rich people. And so a poor person, he says, hey, let the, the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, that he may not have a lot here, but he's got the, just the riches beyond measure in heaven. He's got the riches he can even enjoy now, the love, the joy, the peace. So the lowly brother, let him glory in his exaltation, that now he's a Christian and all the things that accompany that. But then he says, let the rich glory in his humiliation. Thank God that that rich person actually came to a place where they acknowledged their need for Jesus. Because a lot of times rich people don't. Why? Because they have everything. I don't need God. And so he's saying that the lowly brother uh, glory in his exaltation, let the rich guy glory, thank God for his humiliation, that he came to that place where he you know, received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And that it does take humiliation. It does take humility. You know, probably even uh, something that's probably par with that is not just riches, oh, I don't need God, but religion, oh, I don't need God. You know, you got the sacraments, you got the ceremonies, you got whatever the church, and you know, it's all up here. But, but sometimes they're the hardest people to reach because they feel like they're good. When in all reality, none are good. No, not one. We all need to humble ourselves and acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And so James right here, he's talking really important stuff. You know, he's saying, because remember, it's like a flower of the field. You know, you saw it today. It's so beautiful. It smells good. Everything about it is good. And then my wife and I were walking by a couple of weeks later and it's all shriveled up. And we're like, whoa, what happened? It used to be purple. Now it's brown. And that's our life. That's our life. Do you know for sure you're going to be alive tomorrow? 
No, none of us do. I was reading about this building that collapsed. I was tripping out on that. I'm like, man, anything can happen. I'm not trying to scare you. We just need to know this is the reality of it. You know, on my way in today, I was talking to the Lord and I was looking outside and I was like, Lord, what a beautiful day. What a beautiful day. And Lord, I got to be honest, I feel so good. I'm already 26 years old and Lord, look at me, man. I feel so good, you know? I'm just joking. I'm older and, and, and I just, I don't know how many of you here are blessed with health. Some of you guys are just blessed with health, but not everyone is. You don't know, you might get a pain tomorrow and that might be the beginning of something. You just don't know where that leads to. You know, you go in for a routine doctor's appointment and next thing you know, the test comes back a certain way. You know, my mom, my mom text messaged me, hey, keep your cousin in prayer because, you know, his dad died of a heart attack and now they're rushing him to the hospital. I mean, just, we just don't know and that's what James is saying. You know, as you're going through the trials, you know, some of you are already Christians, some maybe not. God is trying to get your attention. Hey, I love you. You know, my daughter, she sent me a really cool, uh, I don't know if it's on Instagram, but it, it said something by Spurgeon. It says, you, your soul is so precious that both the devil and God want it. Your soul. There is a battle going on. And so James here, as he's writing these things, he's saying, hey, um, lowly brother, um, hi guy, listen. It, it's about how we need the Lord and and so he says in verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, oh, I'm tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. And so when you, when you keep it in context, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do here, when you keep it in context, and, and as part of it is me just reading it, part of it is also me listening to a lot of teachers who have taught this. They've all said that this thing needs to be tied together, that as you're going through trials... Uh, it's also a temptation. You know, you go through the difficulties and the devil is like, Where, where's God? Where, he, he doesn't love you. You should just go and, and get drunk and get high. And why even go to church? It doesn't really seem like, you know, you're getting the things that you're really asking for and you're being tested. You're being tested. Are you going to go this way or that way? And so, again, trials. Best, best thing to do, count it all joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Um, this is an opportunity, not for me to change my spouse. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to change me. This is an opportunity for me to grow. And so you're going through trials with this whole thing about heaven and all that kind of stuff. And then he says, and, and, and blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who endures temptation. So you go through it and, and you're just staying on track. You're staying on track. You're still in the word. You're still in prayer. You're still in fellowship. You're still serving the Lord. You're even drawing closer to God. You're, you're passing that test because when he has been approved and as you're going through it, and even Joseph going through it, 
you know, then you receive this crown of life. And we talked about the crown of life. And it could be just when you die, you get a crown of life. But I have a feeling that it's more, it's more now. It's, it's just now and forever, this crown of life. This is what I wanted to do with your life. And you're passing the test. And Joseph, next thing you know, he's second in command. You know, and so, you know, as you're going through it, you're passing the test, you're living the life. You know, you're living the life. He says, man, it's so cool, you know, and, and you stay on track. But let no one say when he's tempted that I'm tempted by God because God can't be tempted. Neither can he tempt anyone with evil because, uh, you know, sometimes people will go through this and they just kind of blame everything on God. God, why would you make me this way? God, why would you allow this to happen to me? And next thing you know, the finger is pointing at God and they say, no, God has no intention for evil. It's not God trying to push you or, or do something bad in your life. It's God allowing it. Yes, I know it's difficult because we live in a broken world, attempting to do something beautiful in your life. So stay on track, stay focused, even when you don't understand, uh, you have to have a peace that passes understanding. Whenever you come across something you don't understand, you fall back on what you do understand, and you know God loves you, and you know God's working something out for good, so don't lose heart. Don't quit. Don't walk away from Jesus. Don't blame God. That's not the problem. Really, the only enticement for sin, he says, is when we're drawn away by our own lusts, you know, our own weaknesses, and they want to go that way. And so all this, this context here, you know, God, you're, you're tempting me. No, God's not tempting you. As a matter of fact, God is good. Look what he says. He says in verse 16, do not be deceived. My beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and, and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He's not inconsistent. He's not going to change. He's such a good God. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so he's saying, and I, and I love that passage, you know, don't say that God tempted you. Don't say or think that God's trying to do something bad. God is trying to do something beautiful. Yield to him. Glorify him. You know, when I, when I was reading that section last time, I think we talked about it, I just said, man, this, this is a section where we just want to give God all the glory, like everything that we've ever experienced in life that's good. Everything that is good is from him. You ever had good food? Thank you, Jesus. Good taste buds that, you know, you get to taste. You ever, have, listen, you ever heard good music? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, just the beat and they got the, bumping and it just, it just sounds so good that's from the lord man worship music i believe music was created ultimately to worship but it is a message to move you and there's things like love and there just these deep meanings in some of this music and it's just that's from god you know you got good friends you got good whatever family i mean good weather everything he's saying god is good 
and, and just let's glorify him. Everything that's good, it comes down from this Father of lights. And, and he brought us forth, and it talks about that right there, with his word. With his word. And we see that in Peter, we see that in John. And with that whole context in mind, we come now to verse 19. And so he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so this right here, if you were to isolate the passage, it, it definitely has application. You know, we'll talk about how there's one interpretation, many applications. We'll talk about that. But ultimately, you keep it in context. It's kind of cool what, he, what we see here. And so the first thing we see, and I want to give you this a little outline, is the injunction or um, the warning, uh, the order. I didn't used to know what injun the word injunction means. Did you guys know that word? I'm just curious. How many of you knew what injunction means? Some of you do. I didn't know. Injunction. What it means is warning or order. And so it, he says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Before I was a Christian, I could do none of that. Now that I'm a Christian, there's hope. Now that I'm a Christian, there's power, huh? I can actually train my ear to hear the right thing. I can actually, by the grace of God, tame my tongue to speak the right things. I can actually now temper my temper in one sense to not get mad. Now, before I was a Christian, ooh, there's no way, right? Some of you guys here, you still struggle with things like that. And so what he's saying is, listen, first of all, the injunction, the warning, the order, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Then the explanation, it says right there, for, for God, the, the, for the, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so we'll talk about that. And then really the next verse, verse 21, it actually ties it together. So we're going to touch on that, but next week we're going to, open it up a little more. But first of all, the injunction, the warning, the order. Again, notice he's speaking to uh, beloved. So then, my beloved brethren, let's not miss that, how we are loved by God, um, loved by, by James, loved by the pastors. You know, this is why we teach you these things. Um, we speak the truth in love. We care about you. Listen, we are, we're not here just like kind of like getting the machine, keeping the machine going. We are here because we love you. And the real reason we love you is because God loves you. You know, when the Lord commissioned Peter, Peter, do you love me? Tend my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lamb. So it's always, Ephesians 4.15, it's always speaking the truth, motivated by love. He says, so then, my beloved brethren, let, let, let some of you, no, it doesn't say that. It says, every man, let every man, oh, but Lord, I can't, listen, every man be swift to hear. Now, again, the context is the word. This is the context. That's why it's important to always know the context, that every man be swift to hear the word. In verse 21 and 22, you see it more, the word, the word, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So let every man be swift to hear 
the word, quick to hear the word. The, the Bereans, if you remember in Acts 17, they received the word with all readiness. You know, like coming to church, why do you come to church? Well, it's Sundays, that's why. No, you come to church because I want to hear God. And like I told you earlier, it's not James, it's not Manny, it's God. It's his word. And that's why, if I could just say, it's important that you go to a church that teaches you the Bible. For whatever reason, a lot of people are drawn to these churches that don't even teach them the Bible. But it's maybe a good message, maybe it's an encouraging, maybe it's an inspiring thing. No, did they open up the Bible and read it and explain it to you, expound it to you? Be careful. Be careful. Oh, the worship was great. Praise God, let's have both. Make sure they teach you the Bible. Because every man, he wants to let every man be swift to hear. Hear what? Hear the, the word. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, Jesus said in Mark 4, 24, um, Take heed what you hear. And then he said in Luke eight eighteen, Take heed how you hear. And so don't just go and listen to all these crazy guys on YouTube. I mean, make sure that they're solid teachers. I mean, there's everything imaginable out there, all the books. And even just because they're on a Christian, so-called Christian radio or Christian bookstore doesn't necessarily mean that it's Christian. So he says, be careful, Jesus said, be careful what you hear. And be careful, he said in Luke 18, how you hear. He, God wants us to be to swift to hear. You know, Tony Evans said, if you are saved and sanctified by the word of God, how should you approach it? Be quick to listen to God's thoughts on a matter. Slow to speak your own point of view and slow to anger should you not like what God has to say in contrast to our own human perspective. And that, that's him taking the whole thing because someone might actually say, well, I'm not going to listen to what God says and then I'm going to start talking my own opinion. You guys know how we can do that. And I'm going to get mad and they'll get mad at God and say, no, don't do that. You know, the context is definitely to the Bible, but I think we all know that it's applicable to any conversation that we have. And so, how many of you are interested in becoming excellent listeners? Any of you? Wouldn't that be cool? You're like, what would you say, Ken? <laughs> All right. For those of you who dismissed what I said, um, stand up. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's funny. We can uh, go and not like concentrate. And the whole point, I think, about in one sense coming to church service, listen to what the pastor is saying, testing it by the word of God. And when he does give you the word of God, take it for what it is, the word of God. And so you're, you're hearing, you're listening. Let every man be swift to hear. We want to be good listeners. The Greek word translated swift is uh, the word takis. It's where you get our word tachometer. It measures us, uh, quickness and speed. Um, the word hear is the usual word used, but... For us, we know it means to listen. There's a big difference between hearing some noise and, and listening. Sometimes you hear a song and you didn't listen to the words. You guys ever do that? Uh, like right now, I'll just tell you guys something. When I was listening, uh, when we were doing worship, when we were worshiping, I was, I was doing my best to just worship God and I was listening to the songs they were singing. 
But you want to know something that I did different today? I was listening to the instruments. Uh, uh, Anthony's playing the drums. Naomi's playing the bass. You got the two guitar players. And I was, I was listening to, I was trying to listen to everything as I was worshiping God because I felt, and you guys are going to think I'm weird, but hey, it's between me and the Lord. I felt like they were worshiping God through the instruments. I just kind of, I sensed it. I heard it. I was just doing my best to, to listen to everything. And I think that's kind of how we have to be. We have to not just hear, I heard, I heard, but, but I heard. Well, that's why Jesus said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear, let him listen. And that's how we have to be with the word. That's how have to, we have to be with, with my wife. You know, sometimes I won't listen. And she'll say, hey, did you hear me? I'll be like, what? And I, ha- I was guilty of that, and I'm learning, and I think I'm getting better. You know, but I was guilty of not listening, and then she, she said it so much, did you hear me, did you hear me, did you hear me, that eventually my daughter started saying it, did you hear me, did you hear me? <laughs> I'm like, okay, Lord, help me. I have two ears and one mouth. Help me to listen better, to be a ready listener. I think a lot of us here probably would be interested in being a good communicator. I would love to communicate well. But I think it'd be even better to be an excellent listener. And so here's some tips on listening. Number one, listen by giving your undivided attention. I know a lot of you right now are thinking of in and out. Come back over here. Come back over here. Listen with your undivided attention. And number two, listen in order to understand. If you don't understand something that we teach, did you know that you have the freedom to ask us? You can ask us, ask one of the pastors, ask somebody, what did that guy just say, you know? What did he mean by that? I'm not leaving this, these doors until I understand what I came to learn. I came to hear the word of God. So you listen uh, with your undivided attention. You listen in order to understand. And you listen even to the nonverbals. Listen to the nonverbals. Um, and there's a lot of them. And there was one Harvard study that said there are 700,000 nonverbals that you can actually listen to. So you're, you're taking in the message, you know, and uh, it could be a lot of different things. Uh, for us, even as Christians, I think that we can listen uh, in, in many ways. Like, for example, my wife and I were recently on a road trip to Modesto. And uh, when we went, we had a little bit of drama you know, you have some, some, sometimes you guys get, got the navigation. Oh, man, I should have gone this way, and I messed up. You guys ever do that? And so it caused a little bit of friction right there, and I'm like, oh. And so, you know, there's that, that whatever, that incident. And so we went to uh, get some uh, food, and we were at the restaurant. And, you know, we're in the middle of all this. Not crazy, but, you know, there's something there. And it's so cool because a waitress came up uh, to serve us, Big smile on her face and big name tag on her, on her dress, and it said grace. And so there's a chance that I could probably just see that and just, just don't even notice it or don't even think anything about it. But then sometimes it's kind of cool because then you start learning to listen more just beyond the nonverbals. You start listening with your heart. You start listening by the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then the Lord just says, it's kind of cool, the Lord just saying, I, I have shown you so much grace. I love you. You're accepted. 
I, I, I just lavish you with blessings upon blessings upon blessings. I hold nothing against you, son. I, I give you so much grace. You need to give that out as well. And then you just listen to so many things in life. I've, I've heard so, the God, I've heard God speak to me in his word first and foremost, but then you start noticing other things. And so, you know, circumstances, little signs. Um, even when you're communicating with people, there's different ways to, to listen. You listen to their tone of voice, right? You come home from work, hey, sweetheart, how you doing? Good. So you go and you're just, hey, the Clippers are on tonight or whatever. You're watching the basketball game. And then she comes up to you later on. She said, what's wrong with you? Didn't you hear me? And I said, yeah, I heard you. You said, you're a good girl, and I'm just watching the game now, you know? And, <laughs> and so what are you doing? You're not listening to the nonverbals. Listen to tone of voice, right? Is she sad? Is she engaged? Or he disengaged? Uh, key words are em emphasized. You listen uh, not only with your heart, but you listen also with your eyes. Look at their facial expression, you know? In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 2, the king noticed that Nehemiah's face was sad. And so you hear things like that. Um, you look into their eyes, and you can even communicate with your eyes. Jesus, uh, there's this one time in Mark 10, 21, where he looked at someone and he loved them with his eyes. And so there's a lot of things to take into consideration. You look at their body language, posture, arms, hand movement, um, you know, distance. I mean, so a lot of things, you're, you're just listening. And so endeavor to hear, to listen and understand um, with everyone, but especially with God. And then you can then be slow to speak. That's what he says there, to, to be slow to speak. Don't be hasty in your words. The Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool just vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. You know, you get some people and they're very opinionated and it's just, I don't know, it's something about them. There's just the way they're wired and they just tell it like it is and there's no filter and there's no wisdom. Well, you know, if you're not really sure about something, maybe your best bet, son of God, daughter of God, is to check with God. Is God okay with this? Okay, then I'll share it. Well, that's just how I am. Well, I mean, God wants us to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth, therefore let your words be few. So, I don't know, like sometimes, I don't know if you guys ever feel that way, but a lot of times I feel like I can't, you know... Um, I don't know, I just, I want to say something, but I have to bite my tongue over and over again because, I mean, the Lord just says, hey, you better be careful, you better take this to me first. You know, so many times that I think I've scarred my tongue, you know, so don't be hasty in your words. Number two, attempt to understand before you respond. So again, you're listening and you want to understand. Number three, does God approve of what you're about to say? Psalm uh, 141, verse 3, it says, Set a guard, O Lord, 
over my mouth. You keep watch over the door of my lips. And then number four is what you're about to say, edifying. And so you can always like, you know, ask, ask that question. What you're about to say, is it going to build them up or is it going to tear them down? And so just things like that. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And you guys have heard that acronym, right? We think before we speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? All that to say, I honestly believe that you can have, we can have a different life, uh, a radically awesome marriage, you know, relationship with God and others and things like that. If we can learn to hear the way that God wants us to, you know, to train our ear to hear, if we can learn by God's grace and power to tame our tongue, and then thirdly, if we can learn to temper our temper. I believe it's a different life. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And you guys know this, I'm sure James said it for a reason, that it's like a domino effect. So the first thing is, you're not listening. All you're like, oh, they just said something I don't like. And all you're thinking about is how you're going to blast them, right? And so you're not listening. You just speak something, you know, silly, dumb, foolish. Remember, those words, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. They, that could be there forever. I can still hear things that were told to me when I was a little kid. So, you know, they just, a lot of times they lead, you know, the not listening, then you're not waiting to speak the right thing, and then next thing you know, there's this, there's a, there's a fire in the house. There's, there's anger all over the place, man. They're the wrath of Manny. It begins. And, and, uh, and he's saying, hey, be careful with that. Remember that word, injunction? It's a, it's a warning to us. So don't hit that first domino down because what ends up happening is it brings problems. The Bible says he was slow to wrath in Proverbs 14, 29, has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. In Psalm 7, 37, verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. And so that explanation is that the wrath of man, it does not produce uh, the righteousness of God. And so, again, if you keep it in context, which I think, you know, we need to, to do first, God is speaking, I'm just listening. Because if not, then what can happen, and it, you know, you may think it, it doesn't happen, but it happens. People don't listen, they just start talking, start talking so they can't even hear God anymore. Next thing you know, they're angry. They're angry with God. They're angry with the whole world. Can't believe you did this. Can't believe you allowed this. And they might not even know that all their you know, emotions and all their struggles and all their problems are because of the fact that they're, they're upset with God. So this is you know, important stuff, but then you look at it from uh, this perspective and, and you realize it's helpful. It's helpful in any relationship. I don't know about you guys, you know, but I need to tell you that because sometimes people think, well, he's a pastor. I'm sure he never gets mad. I've blown it many times. 
you know? And I've told you guys this before. If you knew everything about me, you wouldn't listen to me. And if I knew everything about you, I wouldn't talk to you. You guys, we've talked about that. Huh? <laughs> we've all blown it. But we, we should, it should get less and less and less and less. No more yelling unless there's a fire. No more anger. No more wrath. Because the wrath of man, it does not produce the righteousness of God. So if you get angry, like if I got angry with my kid, I can whip him into shape. I can make him make his bed. I can do whatever I want. You know, I get angry with my kid and say, hey, whatever, you pay me $1,000 or you're on the street and next thing you know, it's a big old drama stuff. And, and I, could, I could get my way by getting angry. I mean, I've talked to some dads and they, I've, this is crazy. I would never say this, but this one dad said, hey, I just need to beat him up one day and then he'll do what I tell him to do. That's what he needs, a good, you know, whatever. Some dads, some people, they do actually get angry. They get their way. They start yelling. You know, if mom's not happy, ain't nobody happy, right? You might get your way, but it's not God's way. The wrath of man, it does not produce the righteousness of God. We need to be gentle. We need to be loving. We need to be wise. And that's why he says, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man, it does not produce the righteousness of God. And I want to warn you guys, because I know how men are. Typically it's men, although it can be women. We can get angry just like that. So be careful, you guys. Anger is only one letter shy of danger. You know, one guy said, he that would be angry and not sin, because that's possible, must be angry at nothing but sin. One person said, people who fly into a rage always have a bad landing. And I like what Thomas Jefferson said. He said, when angry, count to ten. When very angry, count to a hundred. <laughs> Look at what we read, and then we're just going to touch on this, and then, and then we're done. In James chapter 1, those are the verses that we wanted to cover, but look at the next verse. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So, so you keep it in context and he's saying that every man be swift to hear the word. Don't just talk, and then that leads to get anger. No, just receive the word. And this word that we're talking about here, you guys, you might look at that and you think, that's just a little Bible or whatever. This is the word of God, and the message herein is able to save your souls. And so probably most of you here are, are saved. If there's anyone here who's not, I want to give you the message of the Bible. This is, the, this is the message of the Bible. God loves you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, He loves you. It's a love letter. When we sinned, we separated ourselves from a holy God, and the wages of sin is death. But he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross. And you can open up the Bible anywhere and you can preach Jesus because it's all about him. 
how he came and he died on a cross for all your sins you've ever done, past, present, future. They were all laid on him. He suffered the punishment we deserve. He paid the price that we could never pay. He died for us. And then they put him in a tomb. He rose again the third day just to show you, hey, I've conquered the coffin. I've defeated death. And, and if you put your faith in Jesus, just belief, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. This is the, that's the message of the whole Bible. If you, today you just said, okay, I believe. I believe. I believe in Jesus. I receive him. Like we read right there, turn from that ugly stuff. You don't need it. It's not good for you. And then turn to Jesus. Receive with meekness the implanted word. It's able to save your souls. I did it August 20th, 1989. My life has never been the same. It's just that one decision. Not in your head, but in your heart. Just like any other relationship, are you all in? Are you all in? No two-timers. And if you say yes, then it's so cool. That message saves you. And you can do that today. You can say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. And right when you do that, the moment that you do that, he writes your name in the book of life. You have life now, and then when you die, you have heaven. So that's the message. That's what this word does. Think about it for a second, though, because I know most of you are Christians. If this word has the power to raise someone from the dead, imagine the power it has for those of you who are already alive, what God can do in your life. And so that's why we like to say it has the power to save and to sanctify. And so my encouragement to you for the rest of our lives, let's do this. Let's be, you know, ready to receive the word. Let's learn to hear um, that. You know, let my beloved brethren, let every man, let every woman be swift to hear, uh, slow to speak and slow to wrath because we know the results are amazing. Like I said in the beginning, you guys, it's so cool to think about how um, your soul is so precious that God wants it, God gave everything for it, but so does the devil. So the choice is ours right here today. I pray that we would say yes. If you're here and you need Jesus, you're here, maybe you drifted away, you need to come back. Wherever we are, let's be in right relationship with him. And for some of you guys here, you're pretty awesome Christians. You're pretty, no one knows perfect, but man, thank God for you. Let's work. Let's work for this king.